0: Church, please open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Hear then the word of God. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a cord with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king's coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and they called and put, on their, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Verse 8 Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is who. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today with grateful hearts as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the beginning of the Holy Week. Open our hearts and minds to understand the significance of Jesus' action and the fulfillment of prophecy. Help us to see the truth of Jesus' identity as the Messiah and the promised King. As we reflect on these things, may we be inspired to follow Jesus and trust in Him as the King, the Messiah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, where we remember the triumphant entry of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Jesus had been traveling the region of Jerusalem, preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. And he had performed many, many miracles, many, many, many many miracles, and his reputation had spread far and wide. The people were excited about the possibility of a new king, one who would overthrow the Roman Oppressors and established a new kingdom of peace and prosperity. And as we look at this passage, we will focus on two main points. Jesus and the fulfillment of the prophecy and the people's response to Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem. First, Jesus and the fulfillment of the prophecy. And second, the people's response to Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem. So let's start, with the first, let's start with the first part. Let's start with the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. Matthew tells us that Jesus instructs. Two disciples to go into the village and bring a donkey and its call to him. The events of Palm Sunday were not a coincidence or a random occurrence. They were part of God's plan of salvation. Prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus knew all these prophecies. And as he was fulfilling them, he was also making sure that people understood that the prophecies they all knew were being fulfilled in front of their own eyes that day when he was entering Jerusalem. All in Jerusalem knew what the prophet Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, had written. If you go with me and we read together, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the fall of a donkey that's the prophecy 500 years before this event we are celebrating today but the point is crystal clear here jesus was now unmistakably claiming a king's dignity and right. Yes, you hear me clear. He was now unmistakably claiming a king's dignity and right. Here, Jesus was not washing the feet of his disciples. He was not asking for a place to sleep. Jesus here is not asking for water because he was thirsty and tired. No, here Jesus is deliberately making all the necessary preparations to accept worship and reverence on the way to Jerusalem. And that's something I hadn't previously realized when reading this known passage. I have never thought about this before. Do you see the audacity of Jesus to claim his right as a king despite his reputation as a humble teacher and servant? Here, Jesus intentionally rode into Jerusalem in a way that announced his arrival as the king, claiming to be the fulfillment of the prophet, the prophecy of Zechariah, with no personal protest. He was not like, who, me? Oh, stop it. Stop it. Don't worship me. No. Here, Jesus is not protesting at all. He's receiving the worship of all the people. In the Gospel of Luke, we find the answer Jesus gave to those who wanted to silence the people when he was entering Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 19, verse 4, he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And we may be tempted to think that maybe in this passage, Jesus is making the mistake of a little self-promotion. Just in this part of the scriptures. He is just Knowing that he's going to die, so I will, I will tell them a little bit who, who I am. But an examination, a close study of the Gospels demonstrates that Jesus consistently declares his true identity. Think for a moment about the seven I am statements we find in the Gospel of John. Number one, I am the bread of life. He claimed that He is the only one who satisfies the hunger of the soul, He claimed that He is the only one who satisfies the hunger for belonging. The hunger for eternity, just as bread satisfies the hunger of the body. That's a bold statement. Number two, I am the light of the world. He illuminates the darkness of ignorance and sin, leading people to eternal life. That's a bold, a bold statement. Number three, I am the gate for the ship. He is the gate men must enter to reach eternal life. Number four, I am the good shepherd. He protects us from the danger of eternal damnation. Number five, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the source of life, and those who believe in him will never die. Bolding declaration, declaration of his true identity. Number six, I am, listen to this one I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No matter you run, you will find that Jesus is all what you need. This statement emphasized Jesus' role as the only way, listen carefully, the only way to the Father. He is the embodiment of truth. You remember Pontius Pilate, what is truth? And Jesus was like, (laughs) You are seeing it. You are seeing him. Seeing him. The last statement, I am the true vine. All the gospels emphasize that Jesus is the source of spiritual sustenance and growth. Without me, you can do Nothing boldly declarations of his true identity. These seven statements give Jesus exclusivity in all aspects of our life and salvation. But there is more examples in the Gospels. In another passage, Jesus instructs us to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our minds, and with all our strength. But in the same way, he also declared anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow, that's a boldly statement of Jesus. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That is a bodily statement, don't you think? The Gospels, the four Gospels, are full of these boldly declarations of his identity. And that is one of the examples that we are seeing here in chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Throughout his ministry, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, God's Son, and the promised King And this one, and this was not self-promotion. He, not, he was not trying to sell, that, sell to us something that he wants want us to believe. He was just presenting the truth. He was deliberately working out God's will. That's why God sent him to tell us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the bread, that he is the light, that he is the good shepherd. He was doing exactly what God had said 500 years before in the prophecy in Zechariah. Behold, your king is coming to you and salvation is he. That's what the prophecy says. Behold, your king is coming to you and salvation is he? Yes, he is coming on a donkey. But he is more than a humble prophet. He is the king. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, he was making the claim to be God's Messiah, God's king, in a dramatic way. He was clearly painting a picture so that you and I would not fail to see what he is claiming to be. The king. Later, the apostles explain this in more detail, saying that now God has given him all authority under heaven and under earth, that he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he reigns and he governs from there. So what practical applications can we find from this first part? Number one, understanding the importance of Jesus' actions in fulfilling the prophecies in the Old Testament scripture is essential. Because that doesn't leave a space for our imagination to imagine who Jesus is. The scriptures, the prophecies point us to Jesus as the king of kings, the only way, the truth, and the life, the bread, the light of the world. It shows that Jesus' coming was not accidental or coincidental, but part of God's grand plan of salvation. These highlights the trustworthiness and reliability of God's promises and prophecies. You don't need to leave your brain out when you see the prophecies in the Old Testament and then the fulfillment in Jesus in the New Testament. It's a reasonable faith. Number two, Jesus' deliberate deliberate actions on Palm Sunday demonstrate his boldness in claiming his identity as the Messiah, the King promised in the Old Testament scriptures for the salvation not only of the Jews, but for the whole world as well. But that is the fulfillment of the prophecy the first part the second part we see the response of the people to jesus entry into jerusalem you see the crowds gathering jerusalem for the passover the crowds gathering jerusalem for the passover heard that jesus was coming and they went out to meet him, spreading their clothes and rose and waving palm branches. They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The other three Gospels describe he this same scene of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as a great crowd of thousands gathered around him many had come to Jerusalem for the passover feast and and in this crowd were many who believed in the coming messiah News of the miracles that Jesus had performed, including the raising of Lazarus from the dead, had spread throughout the city and the surrounding area. All these things created an atmosphere of excitement and anticipation that Jesus was the promised Messiah. The crowd included not only the disciples who were already with Jesus, but also pilgrims who had joined his caravan. Residents of Bethany, Bethphage, who had heard of his presence, and citizens and pilgrims who were rushing out to search for him. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, suggests that the crowd was so massive that the Pharisees commented, the world is gone after him. That's what the Pharisees said about about this event. The world is gone after him. It was a massive event. The picture is of thousands lining the roadway to welcome Jesus as he was helped atop a donkey for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The multitude received Jesus as both King and Messiah. They honor him as king by stripping off their cloaks and laying branches on the road. And they acknowledge him as the promised king of Israel. They also recognize him as the Messiah by shouting Hosanna, calling him the son of David. That was, that was massive for the Jewish people. Telling him, you are the son of David. You are the one we have been reading in the prophets. You are the one that Moses told us that someone was going to come bigger than Moses. You are the one that we have read in the book of Psalms. The king is seated and governs. However, we see that the people's response was not entirely, entirely honest. Because they were looking for a political savior. One who would overthrow the Roman Empire and restore the glory of Israel. They didn't realize that the glory of Israel was Jesus. They were not necessarily looking for a spiritual savior, one who would save them from their sins and reconcile them with God. Their expectations were not entirely aligned with God's plan For Jesus and his reign. And it's very easy to demonstrate this. Because five days later. The same people who claimed Hosanna. Was the same people who shouted. Crucify him. Ah, We don't want it. We made a little mistake. And they reject. Rejected him. My dear friends. We also face the challenge the crowd faced on that first Palm Sunday. Very often. We want to define Jesus in our own terms. But first, we must define what it means that Jesus is king by his own standard and not by our own expectations. That is really, really important. We must receive Jesus as he is, not who we want him to be. Those are two different things. Once we understand that he is the king, we can talk about he as a savior. So then, how is Christ king? And how does Jesus save First, in our passage, people were willing to accept Jesus as an earthly king and use his power for their own benefit, but they were not interested in his spiritual authority over their lives. In so many ways, we are very similar to them, wanting to accommodate Jesus into our lifestyles. This is what we like to do, and we do it. This is where I want to go, and we go. And please do not think, I am, I am implying that planning and being organized are wrong. Setting goals is encouraged in the Bible. Proverbs speaks highly of the ants for their ability to store food for the winter and condemns those who fail to do so. Proverbs chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 5 instruct us to make the most of our time and live wisely. However, If He is truly our King, we should always submit our plans to God, recognizing that our plans are subject to His will because He is the King and not us. James warns against assuming that our plans will come to fruition. Reminding us that they are as fleeting as morning mist. Therefore, we must acknowledge that the Lord's will supersedes our own will. That is the meaning of saying that Jesus is the King. In the New Testament, we see the book of Acts in some of his letters, Paul frequently made travels plans, but always acknowledged that the Lord could direct him elsewhere. Even when our plans or dreams do not come to fruition, we can trust that the Lord has a greater purpose for us. Jesus' kingship extends to our everyday lives, giving us wisdom and guidance when we need to overcome the many challenges that we have in our own life. But putting him first as a king, Another illustration of how Jesus can be the king is when we see that Jesus fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament and inspire the writers of the New Testament so we can know the will of the king. We have these holy scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So then we can know what is the will of the king. We cannot pick and choose from the scripture what we agree with or what, what or, or what is convenient to us. We need to take God and His King at His word. And this is His word. He is the king and he rules. He is the eternal and all-encompassing king with the right to command us in every way we should live. That is the meaning of saying that Jesus is the king. How Jesus how how we find salvation to Christ well we should welcome Christ as the true messiah who saves us save here is crucial and critical for our christian faith before we expect earthly care and deliverance from him, we must accept his spiritual care, his spiritual deliverance from our sinful nature and from the sentence God has established over sin, which is death. We need to understand from what the king is saving us. Because if, if we don't understand that, we are going to be asking, saved from what? Saved from the biggest problem that we have before God, that is our sin. It's not that we are sinners because we do some sins. It's because our nature it's sinful. And the only way that we can be saved from our sins and from the wrath of God that is against sin is through Jesus. He is our Savior. We should cry out for salvation like the blind man Do you remember Bartimaeus where he was crying behind Jesus? He was crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What a beautiful verse we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 that says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. To receive this salvation, we must confess that Christ is the King And that Christ is our Savior. But not just one time. This this should be our cry every, every day. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples. If you want to be my disciples and follow me, you need to take your cross Every day you need to confess that I am the king. You need to confess that I am the savior every day. And you need to follow me. Once we receive his salvation, dear friends, we will receive as well the power that moves us from darkness to the light. From death to life. From our own desires to His desires. And this is the combination of a King and a Savior every, every day. As we celebrate Palm Sunday today, please remember The significance of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Let us not forget that he is the king. And he is the Messiah who has come to save us. Let us also remember that our response to him must be genuine. Genuine. from our heart, not just based on our expectations of what we want him to be, but on who he truly is. May today we welcome him into our lives with open arms and celebrate his arrival with words and actions. Let us follow him wherever he leads us, trusting in his plan and mission for our our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder of the significance of Palm Sunday, Thank you for the prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled in Jesus. We thank you for Jesus' boldness in claiming his identity as the King and the Savior. And may we continue to put our faith and trust in you every day. Help us, Lord to respond to this message with humility. Surrendering our lives in obedience to our King and Savior. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now, listen